0: All right, we are back with another episode of the Celtics Lab podcast, where we are gearing up for the NBA draft and for the Tokyo Olympics. Today, we'll discuss a little bit of each. I'm your host, Cameron Tipton alongside Alex Gilbert and Dr. Justin Quinn. The draft is just around the corner, and so we brought on a special guest to break things down for us. Let's give a warm Celtics Lab welcome to USA Today's Brian Gobraski. Brian, how are you?
1: Good. Thank you uh, for having me today. I definitely appreciate your time. Big fan of... Uh this podcast and, and love working with Justin so I'm glad to be here.
0: Well we are lucky to have you because anyone who has listened to this podcast knows that Justin, Alex and I are not necessarily draft aficionados and Brian if I can butter your buns you're one of the best in the biz. Uh, I think anyone who's interested at the NBA draft probably has already seen your work uh, so we're very thankful to have you on. Uh, Appreciate it. Justin, Alex how are things in Mexico City?
2: How are things at Somerville? I dispute your characterization. I do take a very poorly, (laughs) poorly informed interest in the draft, but things are good in Mexico. Alex?
3: I'm also going to dispute that as the guy who predicted that Sadiq Bey would be good uh, last year for (laughs) uh, any fellow listeners who might uh, be interested in that. But uh, I'm doing okay. Things are fine in Somerville. I'm going to go out to the courts a little bit later and get some shots up. Cam, hope to see you there. But if you're not, no worries.
0: Yeah, this, this podcast is really just a front for Alex and I to recruit people to our basketball empire in Seminole. Uh, but Brian, we won't bore you with that. Brian, we invited you on. The Celtics at present own the number 45 pick in this year's draft, which is uh, Thursday the 29th. And they don't have a first round pick, Boston doesn't, because they dealt it away in the Kemba Walker trade. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So, Brian, let's start with this. Uh, how likely do you think it is that Boston looks to trade up into the first round at this draft?
1: Um, I'm not really sure that that's something that would make a lot of sense uh, for for their trajectory. Um, obviously, it's going to be hard for me to predict too much of what the Celtics front office is going to look like now that it's a whole new regime. I don't really know how aggressive Brad Stevens is going to be as a As a guy working the phones on draft night um i don't know necessarily how much he uh values the idea of a draft prospect versus ready now talent that's uh, kind of already under contract somewhere else uh, but i i I personally don't think that uh the Celtics are going to be major players in the draft uh beyond you know just kind of presumably taking their pick you know in the second round but um you know I think that the fact that they traded out of their first rounder. Uh, is a good indication so far of kind of where we think uh, their their timeline looks like in terms of what they're looking for out of the draft compared to uh, their team building via, you know, win-now players.
0: Yeah, I, I suspect you're right as such. Um, we have in our notes, would they even trade up uh, in the second round? But I suspect that unless there's a player they really – uh, have the hots for, that doesn't make sense. And let's shelve that for a second, because maybe you know something I don't. But Justin or Alex, from a Celtics perspective, is there a player in this draft that you would think the Celtics should go target? Or do you agree with Brian's read that uh, a ready-made product is probably
3: better? All of my favorite players in this draft are kind of in the like late to mid-lottery range uh, and I think, aside from you know your obvious top picks like Jalen Green, Kate Cunningham, et cetera, but um, I think the combination of assets that the Celtics would have to give up to get into that like 15 or 16-pick range, it's probably not really worth it for them to make that deal given the kind of identity that they have been trying to establish this offseason, which is pretty clearly headed in the direction of getting more vets and more experience and building away from the identity of youth uh, that they've really been rocking with for these past few years. So um, there are a couple of guys that I like for sure, but I just don't think that, I mean, if if the Celtics really want to get one of those guys, they almost certainly would have to give up Robert Williams or Marcus Smart to make it happen. And that just doesn't really seem like a deal that uh, Brad Stevens has any interest in making right now.
2: You basically made my point for me. I, I do think there is a very tiny chance that if the right deal comes along, that will save them some cap space down the road. Maybe then they might consider dealing into the first round, but it's very unlikely in my opinion. And uh, I'll just
0: totally agree because I there's no way they're trading into the first round.
2: Uh, so Brian, actually,
0: before we hop into the second round where things are actually a little Celtic centric, let me ask you this. Do you, Can you think of a team or two that you do think is going to be aggressive um, in the draft that might be looking to trade up or trade down or trade out? Have you heard anything? Do you have an inkling? What can you tell us about the first round?
3: Yeah, I mean, I
0: think obviously the the teams that come to mind are the teams
1: um, that have uh, a surplus of picks. Uh, I think the first team that comes to mind in terms of the biggest mover uh, that I could really see uh, is the Golden State Warriors. I, I I think that I would characterize this as a four- or five-person draft. Sure. Um, and obviously, like, that line of thinking uh, is what landed to the Brooklyn Nets, you know, not selecting Damian Lillard, that literal exact line of thinking um, <laughs> by, <laughs> by giving that pick to you guys, essentially. Um, but I think that the – Obvious picks for who could help the Warriors on a win-now basis um, don't really align with 7 or 14. I don't think right. there's an obvious player out of either of those. So I could see either a package up. Scotty Barnes would be the guy I would target uh, for them, although he is probably a little bit younger for their timeline. Um, but in terms of just kind of that model, uh, he's, he's probably the closest player to Draymond Green I've ever seen. I also think there's uh, a more – willing shooting version of Ben Simmons with a little bit more intensity, but a lot of the same skill set that Ben Simmons has with defensive versatility, uh, playmaking, ball handling, um, you know, ability to score well near the basket. Uh, I think that Scotty Barnes is somebody who, who definitely stands out for me as somebody that people might want to trade up for um, that are not, you know, necessarily traded into the top three. Cause I do think the top three or four are, are mostly solidified at this point. Uh, But that being said, other teams that kind of come to mind off the jump, New York Knicks, I think, have been uh, a team that makes a lot of sense for me to package some picks and trade up. Um, You know, I think the Pelicans and the Thunder uh, will – this is going to be a yearly occurrence um, (laughs) – have have a surplus of picks that will either look to package or trade up. Um, Personally, I think that uh, the Pelicans have one of the more attractive packages – uh, right. In my opinion, for, for Damian Lillard, uh, if that does get to that point uh, in Portland, um, just with all the picks that they have. Uh, so that's definitely going to be worth monitoring. But I don't foresee a scenario where Damian Lillard is traded in the next you know, nine days uh, while mm-hmm. he's in Tokyo. Like I don't, That's just not, not going to happen. Um, that being said, me saying that probably just means it's going, it's going <laughs> to happen. Um, but yeah, New Orleans, I think with their draft capital, Oklahoma City with their draft capital. Um, one, one notion that I do want to swat away, though, is any notion of uh, trading Shea Gildas-Alexander to move up to try to get Cade Cunningham. Um, because personally, I think the closest comparison, uh, in my opinion, to Cade Cunningham right now uh, is Shea Gildas-Alexander. For those who oh, have followed Shea recently, um, his shot creation, his size, his playmaking uh, are his most attractive qualities. And that, that aligns very much with, with Cade. Um, so obviously I think Cade has, uh, an incredibly high ceiling, but, um, I think Shays could be an all-star next season. Um, and I think that they have really similar profiles and I don't know why you would trade somebody who has the exact same market type just to get a slightly younger version of a, a pretty
0: similar product. Cool. I love that. I love Shay, So that's, that's cool to hear. Uh, all right, let's, um, let's refocus our attention on the Celtics, but that's exciting. I'm, uh, I'm probably not going to watch the second round. Uh, maybe I will, but I'll definitely watch the first round. So keep an eye out for that. Um, so again, the Celtics have the 45th pick, uh, which is not a uh, thing to sneeze at. Um, I want to read off a few notable 45th picks uh, since the year 2000. Matt Bonner, Lou Williams, Goran Dragic, and then more recently, Dwight Powell, Demetrius Jackson, the Celtics took him, and Dylan Brooks. So there's talent out there. I mean, any pick... Could, in the right circumstance, the right context, uh, yield some pretty serious results. So, Brian, let me ask you, uh, right off the cuff, who are some players that you think Boston might target with this number 45 pick?
2: So I I
1: think um, maybe it's because of just uh, my closeness to the interview process uh, when it comes to interviewing prospects because that's become a land that I've really, really carved a niche out for myself over the last couple of Mm -hmm. years. But – I I love the guys in the 45 range year after year. Those are usually the guys that give the most thoughtful answers. Those are usually the the more uh, polished upperclassmen uh, win-now players. Granted, you could also do a home run swing or a draft and stash swing or whatever it might be in that same range. But, you know, there's a lot of guys in that 45 range uh, that tend to, I think, um, create a ton of good value, uh, at least for me. So I think, um, you know, some guys that probably pop for me, Uh, that I've spoken to, Uh, Herbert Jones, would probably be uh, at the top of the list. Uh, I think that he's somebody um, who is going to be really, really coveted just because of his uh, ability to play within his role. Um, You know, he played four years at Alabama. Uh, He proved his three-point percentage from 7% as a junior to 37% as a senior. Um, Probably the best defensive wing in this class, or at least up there in that conversation. Um, he's somebody who is kind of a point forward mentality, and that he's you know more than happy to pass and make the smart right play um, instead of being a get mine kind of a guy. Um, you know, there's there's great things about guys like Cam Thomas and Trey Mann, who mm-hmm. um, you know are great uh, on ball players, but those kind of players don't necessarily make as much sense for a team like the Celtics, uh, who obviously not only have you know a, a formidable um, you know ball dominant. Um, starting lineup as it is, but, you know, also did draft a player like that last year in Peyton Pritchard, um, right. from my Oregon Ducks. So, uh, I, I think that, that Herbert is somebody who I would definitely highlight, uh, just off the top of my head, um, because he's not going to necessarily demand the ball as much. He's happy to, to play off of it, um, make the right defensive play, uh, and, and pass, um, kind of in that same category would be, uh, David Johnson out of Louisville, um, you know, pass first player who, uh, improved his three-point shooting year-over-year year as well from uh, you know below 30% as a freshman to nearly 40 as a sophomore. He was a projected lottery pick coming into the season, but COVID really kind of derailed the Louisville campaign, and mm-hmm. he ended up kind of slotting closer to that 45 range. Uh, I think he'd be a fine value at that point. Um, I don't know if Joe Wieskamp or Quentin Grimes will still be on the board, but um, you know any, any team I think could use Uh, shooting help like that Uh, anybody who followed the combine would see that those two guys just fully broke out um so those are guys who are mostly just going to be catch and shoot options but uh those are those are guys who I think will bring you know a similar profile to what Corey Kispert um is going to bring to you in the top 20 so uh I think realistically you know Grimes and Wieskamp would be guys that I'd highlight um and then I would probably also talk about um some of the uh you know, front court guys like Justin Campani, um or champenny rather, um, uh, out of Pitt. Uh, he's a he's somebody who I think can you know play a play a smart uh, defensive minded role, get get some big boards, and um, you know play good spot minutes. He, he's one of those guys who uh, just brings a good tenacity to the floor. I mean, he got a technical foul during combine scrimmages uh, just from arguing a call. Like that's the kind Love of thing that. that you you don't see very often. I think he would probably remind. A lot of guys actually like, a Marcus Morris. uh, And I say that not just because he has a twin brother who also plays basketball at high level, Mm -hmm. uh, and Julian Champagne. But um, I do think that they actually have fairly similar profiles in terms of just, uh, you know, that that grittiness. Um, He's a Brooklyn guy and uh, just not going to take anything from anyone kind of thing. And uh, Those are just off the top of my head a few guys that I think kind of pop off the top of my head, really. I think that there's definitely some other guys who I – uh, have liked talking to. I uh, really liked getting to know Austin Reeves. Really liked getting to know Luca Garza. Um, definitely believe in both of their long-term futures. Um, but at this point, I'm kind of rambling.
0: No, I love that. Um, Alex and Justin want to hop in, but I just want to yeah. shout out. I just want to shout out Pitt. I hope we get this kid. Let's get Justin. Excellent.
2: Okay. No, Justin, I just want to. I want to ask about uh, Luca Garza. Now I know he's awful in the pick and roll, but why is he ranked so low in these mocks?
1: Oh, well, so, obviously, like, I think a lot of folks think that he could get played off the floor um, in terms of his pick-and-roll defense because uh, teams are just going to attack him as, you know, uh, as a defender. And I, I think that realistically, um, that's fair. Uh, I, I think his, his, the primary aspect of his scoring in college was out of the post. Um, but, frankly, I, I think that he's going to have a lot of trouble um, translating a lot of that to the NBA, and he would agree with that too. So, you know, his, the thing with him is, you know, he had the lowest vertical uh, out of anybody at the combine. He had uh, the the worst agility score. His athletic testing was just was just poor. I mean, I think he's probably going to be um, a little too slow to guard the fours, um, a little too short, uh, or a little too um, a little a little too uh, whatever it might be to play a real five in the NBA. So I think at this point, he projects mostly as a stretch four. And and I think, you know, what he was so good at in college was being a post scorer. Um, And while he was a good shooter, you know, I don't know if he's a knockdown guy per se, uh, the same token when he's playing off the ball as much. So I think you're kind of taking away the thing that made him great and putting him into an entirely new role that we don't know him about as much. And so I, I do actually really think that he's got the right work ethic and the right attitude. Uh, to, to make sure that he's able to have a good NBA career uh, the first answer he gave me when I spoke to him he cited the exact uh, percent percentage of how often he uh, posted up in college and how uh, he's taken measures to you know cut his body fat and cut his weight uh, to avoid that you know moving forward and I think you know anybody who knows the exact frequency of how often he posted up uh, is somebody who I certainly believe in in terms of like just the way he studies the game and his self awareness, and just knowing that that's not the way the NBA is played anymore. So I, I really loved that, and I loved um, that he knows that it's going to have to change. Um, but I do think that, yeah, when you take away the thing that made you great and put you in something else, it's more of an unknown. And I don't know if we know who uh, Luka Garza the stretch four is uh, as much as we know who Luka Garza the consensus college collegiate player of the year is.
2: So I have one more guy I wanted to pick your brain about before I uh, put down the uh, proverbial mic. Um, Marcus Zegarowski. Now he's, he's Michael Carter-Williams' little brother. Uh, he was great in the tournament. I don't understand why he is also mocked so low. He, he shoots pretty well. He seems like a really good candidate for the NBA.
1: Yeah, I, I really like him. Um, you know, Scott, I spoke to before the season, told me they thought he was a pit bull um, just in terms of his – uh, his ability to make sure that he's on the floor and uh, making a high impact at a high level. Uh, I think that Marcus Learowski is an NBA player. Um, I, I think that uh, whether or not a team's going to trust him to be a floor general at the next level um, is, is probably the main question mark I have about him uh, because realistically, uh, you know, how many teams necessarily are willing to give the give keys to their offense to their first unit uh, or second unit uh, to somebody out of Creighton who didn't necessarily uh, light the world on fire during his time in college. But um, I, I, I like Marcus Zagorowski. Uh, I think he's got the right mentality. Uh, I know that he uh, he recently did an interview that I helped arrange with Cody Taylor over a Rookie Wire, and Cody told me that Zagorowski arrived exactly to the minute of what time the interview was scheduled for, and he thought that was awesome just seeing. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, show up, that's, like, maybe show up a few minutes late or – whatever, but just to the second, you know, that kind of preciseness uh, I thought was awesome. Um, I I really think that Zagorowski is going to be somebody who's going to carve a role for himself. Uh, I think that he's definitely somebody who uh, I would want on my team. Um, Honestly, I think that at least for Boston though, probably a fairly similar thing to um, what Peyton Pritchard's role already is. Uh, And frankly, Mm -hmm. Peyton was just better at it during college, Um, more experience at it, you know, in his four years at Oregon. Um, and just more prolific as well.
3: Brian, one thing that I am noticing about a lot of the teams that have had success in the playoffs this year is that many of them feature a bench uh, stretch five or stretch four uh, who can come in and hit open threes, uh, who can move the ball, and who can at least capably defend on some level. Uh, I mean... Obviously, there is not, I imagine, a player of Bobby Portis's caliber in the second round of the NBA draft, but that's a player archetype that I'm really looking for as far as Celtics potential second round picks, a person who can come in off the bench and provide a different kind of look than, say, a Robert Williams or a Tristan Thompson at the five position and allow the Celtics to play small there. Is there anybody that you have your eye on who would fit that description?
1: Yeah, I think there's a few guys that come to mind. Uh, I think that uh, Justin Champagne would be somebody who's not quite that shooter yet, but he's certainly somebody who's not afraid to shoot and has jump shot has shown some promise. Uh, so I think that he's somebody who could potentially project that way as he continues his development. Uh, Kessler Edwards at a Pepperdine, uh, not a five, but definitely an undersized uh, player uh, or definitely an undersized front court player. I think he can play the four or the five uh, at the NBA level. For those sort of you know, spot minutes like that. Um, probably somebody who uh, would be worth watching in that sense. I think he was one of the best defensive players during the combine scrimmages um, and has definitely had good shooting numbers in the past. And uh, even though he didn't really uh, fare particularly well uh, in uh, the combine shooting environment, um, he's somebody who shot 39.5% from during his three years in college. So we've got enough tape on him as a shooter to know that he's uh, somebody who uh, can really, really shoot the ball. Uh, And I think uh, at the end of the day, somebody that I really think is worth taking a look at has got to be E.J. Onu out of Shawnee State. Um, You know, I think that you don't really hear very often about prospects from the NAIA, uh, but he's somebody who uh, definitely deserves serious consideration uh, as much as anybody in this draft. Uh, you're talking about guys who can defend uh, and shoot the ball. Uh, he is, you know, six foot eleven, averaged four point six blocks per game last year, and shot thirty, and shot forty percent from three, um, in leading his team to the national championship uh, at the NAIA level. So, uh, while he's somebody who um, obviously uh, hasn't had the elite competition that most guys uh, have faced. He also is somebody who tested uh, at the G League Elite Camp with a seven foot eight and a half wingspan. So he's going to come out and immediately have one of the longest wingspans in the NBA. And he's not afraid to shoot the ball either. So uh, he's somebody who I think is way deserving of consideration uh, for somebody who can shoot the ball. I mean, he averaged about, you know, 2.7 threes per game during his four years in in college. And he's almost seven feet tall. So he's definitely a stretch big. Um, And I don't know if that's necessarily. uh, we we expect to see that translate uh, the same token at the next level. Um, but I do think that he's kind of a home run swing in the second round that I would certainly be interested in taking.
0: All right. Uh, so I'm just going to round out a few things we have in our notes, and then I'm going to ask everyone to share the one thing on the draft, uh, on draft night, Celtics or not, that they're most excited for. But um, Miles McBride, uh, who is a guard from WVU, uh, his nickname is Deuce. Uh, conceivably he could fall to the Celtics and then there would be two deuces in the Celtics orbit. And uh, Marcus Sigrowski uh, would be the 46th NBA player from Massachusetts. And that's a fun fact no one ever needed to learn. Uh, So let's go around the horn. Uh, One thing that you are looking forward to this draft night, uh, Brian, what are you looking forward to most Celtics or anything else?
1: Uh, I guess just sort of in a self-promotion standpoint, (laughs) I'd like to see where, uh, Nishan Highland and He is somebody who I did a feature uh, on for, for the win here at USA Today uh, and just really, really fell in love with his story. Um, he's somebody who is the top rated high school prospect out of Delaware, uh, was watching March Madness when his house burned down. Uh, he lost his baby oh, cousin God. and his grandma in the fire um, and he had to jump out of a window or he uh, tore his. some. Uh, some significant uh, ligament that limited his basketball season um, and, you know, kind of always wanted to play March Madness uh, because of, uh, you know, that horrible, horrible incident where he was watching March Madness when that happened. And um, then, you know, about an hour before uh, the game was set to tip off the game uh, got canceled and his team had to forfeit uh, due to COVID. So he didn't really get a chance to to break out in the, in the way that I think a lot of people uh, not, uh, probably expected him to. Um, and then he came out in the combine scrimmages and was very clearly the best player out there. So uh, he's somebody who I, am just excited to see where he ends up because uh, I really just believe in him and believe in his story and believe in his shooting um, and think that he's just, have got a real star personality. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's somebody who uh, I think I'm uh, just most, most curious to see what happens with Bones.
0: What's his name again?
1: His name is Nashawn Hyland, but everybody calls him Bones. He went to, a, and because of how skinny he is, all skin and bones, but, uh, yeah, he went to the Virginia thing. Commonwealth, and uh, I just think that he's, he's a real special guy, um, really, really special guy. And I think that, um, you know, some, some scouts are comparing him to Emmanuel quickly. Um, mm-hmm. I think they look kind of similar. Um, I, I would say his closest comp, if everything goes well, would be like Jamal Crawford. Um, I, I wow. think that that's obviously an incredibly, uh, you know, ambitious goal for, <laughs> for someone. Um, but I do think that that's the sort of uh, archetype that he fits under.
0: All right, Sean Island. I'll have to check that out. And uh, we'll, pl- we'll do a whole bunch of plugs at the end. But, yeah, for the win, uh, you can find Brian's work over there. Justin and Alex, who are you most excited for in this draft or what are you most excited for?
3: For me, it's always the same thing when it comes to the NBA draft, which is who is getting traded and where and for what. I love the draft specifically because it's one of the hottest trade times in the league. So I'm going to be looking out for Golden State. I'm going to be looking out for the Raptors. I'm going to be looking out for OKC. I'm going to be looking out for all sorts of teams flipping around veteran pieces Draft assets, you name it, I'm going to be following that with some intent.
2: Playing off of that, similarly for me, for more or less the same reasons, I'm just you know looking for some clarity in terms of what the Celtics are going to be doing with their roster building, and whether or not this second round pick is going to be used to actually take someone, or whether or not it's going to be kind of a sweetener to move on from, say, Tristan Thompson as a glaring example. Well,
0: me personally, on draft night, I'm most looking forward to see who wins the Celtics Lab podcast's off-season giveaway. Uh, this off-season, we're doing uh, an all-encompassing c collaboration giveaway. That's where we collaborate with Celtics creatives in the community to give away some free swag. So go ahead and head to at Celtics Lab on Twitter to check out the t-shirt that you could win this off-season. It's a stylized... Uh, image of Jalen Brown dunking over Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's probably an image you're familiar with, but with a little bit of pizzazz. So how's that for a plug? Uh, okay. Let's talk about some other things. Uh, and Brian's going to stick around for the fun. Uh, so, uh, just going around the dial, some odds and ends from the news. I'm just going to read off a few things we have on our list and anyone can hop in with any sort of editorializing. Uh, the Celtics finished the 2021 season eighth, uh, in terms of popular merchandise. And Jason Tatum's jersey was the fifth most widely sold. Um, Any thoughts on that one? That feels like possibly that's a big deal.
3: Boost those MVP odds, baby.
0: Yeah. I mean, Tatum's star power is just going through the roof. And I think Team USA, we'll talk about the Olympics in just a second. I think he's about to be an international star, selling Subway and ruffles and all sorts of stuff.
2: You don't have too much to add. I'm just surprised that the Celtics are actually eighth. That's pretty good.
0: Brian, are you a Pacific Northwest kind of guy? Uh, I did go to college in the Pacific Northwest. I uh,
1: I got my journalism degree at the University of Oregon, and then my sister uh, went to the University of Oregon, and
0: she lives in Oregon, now still, as well. Do you see a lot of uh, Celtics jerseys out that way, or do you think these are just people in New England buying multiple jerseys?
1: Uh, well, I live in Brooklyn now um Uh (laughs) and uh I would say not a ton out here um and when I was in college I can't think of I can't think of really any uh examples of somebody wearing a Celtics jersey on campus but you know that Celtics green is pretty similar to the Oregon Ducks green as Peyton as Peyton Pritchard would know so um (laughs) maybe maybe you know what maybe uh maybe the Pritchard jerseys are selling pretty well in Portland right now uh in Eugene um because that's probably uh one of the NBA players who's getting the most minutes for us last year uh, out of Oregon besides Dylan Brooks. So I think that that's a, that's a likely thing, you know, favorite picture jerseys.
0: Cool. Well, I like that. I really like that, actually. Uh, well, while we're speaking on uh, about uh, Portland, we're going to talk about the Damian Lillard situation in just a second. But Alex, uh, you're premiering a new segment for the Celtics Lab podcast. Why don't you tell us what it is and why don't you tell us about its first installment?
3: Sure. Uh, This is Alex's unfounded rumor of the week, and it's a new segment that I'm starting where I'm going to do what I usually do, which is spend way too much time on Twitter. But this time I'm going to pull something from the depths of Twitter, a basketball rumor, preferably Celtics related, though maybe not if I can't find one. Uh, that makes absolutely no sense and is just demonstrably and obviously wrong. Just to point out the recurring life lesson that I have learned, which is that you should not always trust what you see on Twitter, especially when it comes to basketball. And so without further ado, the debut of Alex's unfounded rumor of the week is that the Celtics want to trade for Eric Bledsoe of the New Orleans Pelicans. So this is a rumor that I thought was related to the Athletic article suggesting that Eric Bledsoe and Stephen Adams were ripe to be dealt. But uh, I read that article and I didn't see a single thing mentioning the Celtics at any point ever. Uh, And so I did a little digging and I found a site that I truly don't even remember by a journalist that I've never heard of and I'm not sure is accredited on any level, suggesting that the Celtics might be interested if Eric Bledsoe was to be made available. This is a trade that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, It's not going to help the Celtics with their uh, point guard veteran depth problem because Eric Bledsoe is not very good. Eric Bledsoe is also very expensive. The only way that I could see this trade happening is if draft assets were attached and Eric Bledsoe was the pill that the Celtics had to swallow to get said draft assets, but I really am not betting on it. So that is your unfounded rumor of the week.
2: I actually do think that there is a very unlikely but reasonable reason to trade for him. And... No, I know, it's, but we should mention it because someone is going to be like, no, no, no! Uh, his 2023 contract is only guaranteed for $3.9 million. So if they were looking to try to okay. clear some books beyond the $16 million that Al Horford is owed, mm-hmm. that could be a way to do it, but that, of course, means they're throwing the towel on the Al Horford experiment before it even begins, which I very strongly doubt.
0: And just anyone who's wondering, that wasn't... Uh... Woe, Drasham's calling Alex to confirm that was a a different phone call. Uh, All right. Well, while we're talking about trade rumors, and Brian, we'll get you in on this one. Um, Justin, you ran an article on Celtics Wire uh, with the whole kerfuffle around Dame Lillard's future in Boston. You wondered if a trade uh, for Dame Lillard and centered around Dame Lillard and Jalen Brown made any sense. You want to tell us what uh, the readers thought of that one?
2: Sure. So every time I talked to anybody who follows basketball fairly closely, I got the same general response, which was, this is not a good idea. But there seemed to be like this really heavy narrative that this was a good idea and this was broadly supported. So I just decided to run a poll and see if it was. And sure enough, two-thirds of the fans who did respond uh, strongly disliked the idea. There were some who were about a third, not quite a third, more like a quarter. When she got rid of the "I don't know"s, "Not sure" type people, uh, compelling. I know. Um, <laughs> there, there is a small contingent, maybe fifteen percent. I think it was something like that, who would be comfortable trading Jalen for what it would cost to get Lillard on board. But it's very far from a majority. So.
0: Brian, earlier you said uh, perhaps the Pelicans have the best package for Lillard. Uh, and for my money, it doesn't sound like he is on his way out, but it also doesn't sound like he is off limits. Um, so if you were a betting man, where do you think Dave Lillard is playing for uh, next spring?
1: Next spring? Um oh man. I would say because of the nature of his contract, I, the, the best money is still on Portland. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily uh, the, the situation that we should expect as fans. Um, but I think it's more likely Portland than it is, you know, uh, anywhere else. Now, if I could take the field, I would probably take the field. Um, right. I think that that's probably... Uh, the most likely scenario is he's somewhere that's not Portland. If the options are Portland or not Portland, um, that's kind of what I'd have to think. But, you know, he's got a long, long uh, contract. He's got that uh, extension that's about to kick in. so it's four years. So uh, trading somebody that's under contract for that long, uh, there's there's a lot less urgency. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it had to be another year of him in Portland uh, before a trade gets done. Um, That being said, I I think that Boston's got a decent – uh, offer um, you know mm-hmm. uh, for him if they were interested uh, in uh, Jalen Brown, I think that Jalen Brown would do um, much better in the Portland market in terms of uh, uh, fans liking him than, let's say, Michael Porter Jr. out of Denver would. <laughs> um, I think that Jalen fits what they're looking for out there a lot more uh, from a fan perspective than than Michael Porter Jr. Um, and I do think Porter Jr. is an excellent player. Um, but you know, I think that uh, Brown is somebody who I think would be adopted uh, very fast as uh, just uh, the ideal uh, player for that market. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, I mentioned New Orleans. I think you have to keep an eye um, on Denver. Um, I really, really like uh, you know the idea of of uh, Damian Lillard and um, Nikola Jokic on the same team, especially. Uh, with Jamal Murray, set to miss all of next season, presumably with his torn ACL. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to imagine seeing Jokic go from MVP to, you know, losing a star teammate like that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Denver throw all their chips on the table.
0: Wow, interesting. And yet, uh, to close the loop, uh, this is off the top of the head, so these numbers are a little inaccurate, but I think Lillard is owed somewhere in the $230 million range over the next four years, and that's Uh, I think $27 million more than the next highest paid player Giannis. So it is not an insignificant chunk of change to try to move around. Um, All right, let's, uh, let's close out the news. Let's talk about the Olympics and let's get out of here. Uh, Danny Ainge hinted that he might want to work in a different front office somewhere, uh, but maybe with limited responsibilities. So perhaps we'll see him sticking around the NBA Uh, Tatum in an interview, uh, with uh, Gary Washburn said that he was shocked that Danny Ainge had left. um, And that he wasn't expecting Brad to get the promotion that he did. um, Which I suppose is not surprising, but uh, he was pretty forthright about that. And also you might've seen Jalen Brown on Jimmy Kimmel live where he raised 25 large for his uh, juice foundation playing a silly game with, uh, I think Anthony Anderson which was kind of cool. So we have that. Uh, put away. This is why you come for this podcast, I suppose. Um, Let's talk about Summer League. Let's talk about the Olympics and let's go home. So Summer League, it looks like uh, we're going to get Pritchard, uh, newly acquired Moses Brown, Neesmith, Carson Edwards, Jan Medair, maybe Taco Fall. And Alex, you uh, were telling us that maybe Romeo Langford in a point guard position.
3: Yeah, so this is going back to an athletic article from Jared Weiss that's suggesting that um, the Celtics are interested in exploring Romeo as a more ball-dominant point guard type player rather than in the wing role that he's kind of traditionally been used at in the few games that he has played with the Celtics. Of course, Romeo has missed a ton of time. From injuries as a at the beginning of his career, but um, one thing that they were, uh, according to this article, thinking about doing is empowering Romeo to be a little bit more of a playmaker off the bench, which I think is actually kind of an interesting move and one that uh, maybe gets a little closer to his college skill set skill set when he was at IU. Um, I think it's not a crazy idea, especially given that the Celtics in the same article Weiss mentions that the Celtics are also potentially interested in exploring what Peyton Pritchard can do in a more off-ball role where he's kind of as a spot-up shooter cutter type which I think given what we saw from Pritchard last year Um, He definitely has his limitations as a ball handler, but arguably the best thing that he brought to the table was a consistent outside threat. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them toy around with some funky lineups with Romeo at point, with Pritchard playing a kind of nominal two guard role. Um, I think that Summer League has traditionally been a place where Brad really likes to tinker with lineups and try out some funky, interesting stuff. And I would not be surprised if Udoka carries that over.
0: Sure. And, uh, perhaps Pritchard can play the two guard, which we don't know what will happen with, uh, Evan Fournier. So that could be an interesting wrinkle. Um, Norm Powell a few hours ago, uh, opted out of his player option. Will Barton did the same a few days ago. So the, the market for a two guard will be intriguing and that could affect Evan Fournier very much. Um, In terms of Summer League, it sounds like, uh, speaking of our friend Jared Weiss, that uh, Tremont Waters is on his way out. Uh, Good luck, Tremont, if that's true. Um, And that the team has worked out Zach Augustine and the great Nigel Hayes. Uh, So that could be – those could be two names to keep an eye on. Um, We'll talk more about Summer League as it comes down the pipeline, but there are a lot of fun players. I think anyone who – uh, is more than a casual fan of the Celtics will uh, have to tune in. Um, and let's talk about the Olympics, which are still happening. Uh, what a treat to go sleep on those anti-sex cardboard beds to represent 20th century nationalism. What a what a wonderful journey that will be. I just
3: uh, I, I have to say, if you really think that the most gifted physical athletes in the world cannot find a way to engage in extracurricular activity outside of the setting of bed, Uh, You really are like, I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. What are we doing here, Japan? (laughs) This makes no sense.
0: Uh, Okay, Alex, tell us how you really feel. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's preposterous, as are the number of COVID-related incidences that seem to be piling up outside of basketball, inside of basketball. Beal uh, is out. Zach Levine hasn't traveled to Tokyo yet. Uh, Jeremy Grant is now out. I mean, it's, it's probably too big to fail, like uh, Dr. Quinn has said a number of times, but uh, something to keep an eye on. Uh, but let's end on the lighter side. Uh, Jaylen, or Jason is looking okay in the game against Spain, the final scrimmage. He uh, only had six points, but he did have six rebounds, five assists. Um, that's some dynamic play from your future point forward. Uh, Brian, let's get you out of here on this. What American player are you most excited to watch and then give us a prediction, if not the Americans, who wins gold in men's basketball? Uh,
3: I
1: mean, I, I just love watching Kevin Durant play basketball.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's one
1: of those things where uh, the more often, you know, you see somebody healthy, um, you know, or see somebody unhealthy, rather, uh, the more you appreciate them uh, when they are healthy. So uh, I just – I hope that Kevin Durant can just be uh, the guy that, you know, we know him to be and then take home gold for – United States. I think that's probably the uh, the most likely scenario uh, at this point, and I do think um, that I would, <laughs> if I were a betting man, that's what I would. That's what I would definitely bet on here for sure. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think I think that otherwise, you've, you've got to take a look. Um, you know, at uh, at Spain. Um, obviously, the returning uh, World Cup champs. I think that they're always a team uh, worth keeping an eye on in terms of. Uh, you know, their, their basketball team, although they're, they are a much older version of Spain outside of who's um who, you know, is obviously not uh, their starter uh, with the Gasol's out there and everything. Um, and, uh, you know, Australia obviously is, is definitely worth watching as well. Um, and of course, you know, uh,
0: France, but, but I, I think it's, it's definitely U.S. Is to lose. Uh, or COVID's to win, I suppose. Uh, just to really round things out, Keldon Johnson uh, was the 29th overall pick uh, just a few years ago in 2019, and now he's representing Team USA at the Olympics. So uh, as much as I think we're all tuned into the first four picks of this coming up, this draft coming up, uh, there's talent everywhere. Uh, so Brian, thank you so much for talking us through that. Brian lebrowski uh, ranks for USA Today's Hoops Hike and for the win. Can't thank you enough. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. thank you on the behalf of Alex on the behalf of Justin on the behalf of our t-shirt giveaway and the nice Celtics Live t-shirts you can buy anytime at your leisure uh, we'll see you next week